Welcome to week two of The Lunatics. If you made it through our first week, uh, I came back for more. Thank you. If this is your first episode, welcome to the family. Not so much in a mobster way, hopefully. Uh, again, I'm Tyler Edwards. I'm your host for this fun-filled show. Uh, and I think we've got a really solid week planned out this week. A uh, lot of big emphasis on St. Louis City SC. Um, again, they're the hot ticket right now, and there's a lot of good things to talk about. Uh, there's a few things in there, certain things like uh, that are certain no matter what happens. Uh, we got death taxes and Austin giving us the ball in their own third so we can score. It uh, doesn't mean we're going to forget about our hometown Redbirds, uh, but I am going to hand off here to my co-host and producer, John Love. It's all yours, buddy. Oh, thank you. I feel so special that you're sharing the love with me, sharing the attention. Yeah, I'm excited. There's a lot to talk about. Uh, I'm going to start off, I think, with the Cardinals here because they are less fun and not quite as much to go into, but uh, we definitely have a lot for City this week, and I'm excited to get into it. Uh, <clears throat> so I think, you know, before we really do anything with the car, we might as well just recap the previous week, kind of let everyone know what's going on. Uh, so we've had two series since we talked last week, uh, one against the Mets, which is a four-game series, and one against the Pirates, which is a three-game series that ended today. We won one game against the Mets, and we won one game against the Pirates. So we went two and five during that stretch. That brings us up to a really fantastic record of 56 and 72, still last in the division. I believe we're still second to last in the league because Colorado still sucks more than we do. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's where we're at. I have one question for you. Do okay. we make it to 70 wins? I'm doing some quick math on how many games we have left. <laughs> oh, it's actually possible. Uh, 78, 128. So we have uh, 34 games left. Ooh. Do, do we, can we go 14 and 20 the rest of the I don't know if we can. And, and it hurts, pains me to say it, but can we go 14 and 20 the rest of the way? I don't even know if that's the pace we're currently on. Uh, <laughs> yes, we can get 70 wins. Okay. Uh, there, there was, I was listening to a, another sports show and uh, they were talking about uh, whether or not do they, do they make it to 62 at the current pace they're on uh, the way that things have gone, especially. So take, take this as it will. Uh, their schedule after the September 3rd, they don't play in they, every team they play, I believe, except for maybe one series against the pirates is yeah. against a contender including the Braves, two series against Milwaukee. I mean, it, it, yeah, we have, a, we have at least one series against Cincinnati, another series against the Phillies. Um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be rough. It's going to be a rough September for sure. So if you um, want my opinion, I don't think we make it to 70 wins. Uh, it pains me to say that, um, but I hope to God we get at least seven wins and we don't see the first 100 win seat. 100 lost season since like the early 1900s. Uh, we're not going to see a, a 100 loss season. We'd have to like literally lose out. We'd winning. We'd have to go four and 30. That's not happening. Four and 28. That's not. No, no, five, five, five or six. If 162 games, if we get six more wins, we, we need six, we need seven wins. Yeah. We're still not going to, we're not going to have a hundred. <laughs> season not <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens uh, let's talk about something fun let's talk about mason <laughs> mason Wynn, kids electric up 
five minutes after you and I say, oh, it'd be really great if they would call up Mason Wynn. And sure enough, it's like they knew, they heard us. Ollie got on the phone, called him up, listening to our podcast live. That's that's my head canon of what happened. Uh, what'd you think? What'd you think of, uh, of his first week in the majors? You know, a little underwhelming at the plate, um, but, you know, his... His defense looked good. Um, saw a couple of cannon throws, which is exciting to see. Uh, the guy, the state. guy's got a rocket um, on on his arm. And you know, if we're ever in a, a tight pinch and we're out of pitchers, I guess we can throw him on the mound and let him let him just wing it. Um, but you know, I think okay. that his first hit kind of highlighted his speed, and I thought that was really exciting because I think that's something that he really helps bring to the mm-hmm. to the team is that speed uh you know there's there's some other things i think with that first hit uh did, did you did you hear about that john i i did hear about it i'm curious curious your thoughts on uh on pete alonzo and and throwing the ball into the uh into the stands because i have thoughts i i have so many thoughts um he chucked it i you know i don't know if he really realized what had happened or not um Nonetheless, he did apologize profusely both on first and second base uh, to win Mason win. Um, and, you know, kudos to Cardinals fans being Cardinals fans. And, you know, he did get the ball back, uh, which I think he said he's giving to his mom um, just mm-hmm. as a memento. So I think that's cool as well. But, you know, for me and Pete Alonzo, you know, it's one of those like, you know, the guy's a rookie, you know, this is an early call up. He's not like some nobody rookie that nobody's right. heard of. Like this was a big name, a big call up, and I'm sure he was on their scouting report. So he's got to have some idea there. Um, and maybe just a lapse, quick moment of lapse of judgment. We've all had him, but it, it's a bad look for him. But I mean, yeah, in, I mean, in your own words, he's a big, strong guy, right? Isn't that what you told me is, last week? He is a big, <laughs> strong guy. Um, well, you know, here's my thing about it, too. Like everyone, I think people are. are Kind of coming around, okay, maybe he didn't really mean to do it, but I mean, Harrison Bader did that to the Royals player last year. You know, like it happens, and we got the ball back. He apologized, bought win um, some Don Julio, and gave him a signed bat. Like, you know, obviously, I mean, the bottle of tequila is, is pennies. Of Pete Alonzo, but but still, it's it's a nice gesture he didn't have to do. And like I said, he got the ball back and he apologized. What more could we ask for? We have a lot of reasons to hate Pete Alonzo, and I don't think this is one. Yeah, no, exactly. And you know, luckily uh, Mason Wynn is, I think, this year turned twenty one, as far as I'm aware. So you know, he can actually enjoy yeah. that Don Julio uh, legally, and Alonzo won't be on the hook for providing alcohol to a minor. <laughs> thank, thank although, although wouldn't that be uh, uh something in there uh wander franco uh yeah. providing other things to minors uh, and pete alonzo providing alcohol to minors so uh too soon for that I, no no comment on that that situation uh that is something i do not want to go anywhere anywhere near um yeah other that, than... that's a, that is about as much as i'm going to talk about it but yeah. we'll, we'll let the <laughs> The police investigate and, and do what they do and maybe make a comment at that point. Um, we had another pretty pretty big call-up this week, too. You want to take this one? Yeah, so they, they brought up Drew. You talk about Drew Rahm mm-hmm. and the pitcher. Um, so got his first start in the big leagues. Uh, did not look great, but if you watch 
for those of you who watched the game, that first inning had a couple of infield singles, some, you know, not hard hit balls. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I feel, feel like he just kind of unraveled his pitch count started to skyrocket. And again, you, you can't, you can't give big league guys any, any room for this kind of thing. Like you can in the triple A. And I think he kind of paid for that. He's not going to blow anybody away with his speed. So he doesn't have that. I'm just, you know what? I'm in a tough spot. I'm going to reach back and throw a 98. He's, he doesn't have that. Um, and there's a lot of deception and things with that. What I'm most intrigued by, and I know he's going to get another one because of all of the other injuries. Um, I mean, we got the guy for Flaherty. Um, I don't think he, you know, he's not the same pitcher as Flaherty for sure. Um, but he's got the potential to be in my mind, you know, a three or four starter if he reaches his full potential. Um, I don't think he's really projects as anything more than that just because he doesn't have some of that high end stuff they really look for. Um, he does change his arm angles from time to time and kind of move some stuff around. So mm-hmm. uh, if you're, you ever watch a uh, nasty nester for the, the Yankees, uh, not quite as much as <laughs> Nasty Nestor, but he does yeah, do a little bit of some name. changing the looks and things, and right. uh, and and that kind of helps him with his deception and getting those pitches in there. But you know, I'm more intrigued to see what his next start and how he rebounds from this. I mean, he gave up six earned runs and didn't even make it through four innings. Um, so you know, you know, he got got what three and two thirds. Yeah, three and two thirds. Uh... Eight hits, six earned runs, four walks, four Ks. Um, I mean, he threw 51 strikes and 90 pitches. So, I mean, that's not quite where you want it to be, but it's also not like everything was a ball or anything like that. But um, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to get any more starts this year. I mean, he was really only called up to push Libertor back a day or two um, because I guess he was working out, had some back tightness, and, and they just wanted to give him an extra day of rest. Um so I don't know. I mean, it didn't sound like he was being called up to be part of the rotation, but you know, maybe next year he'll probably come out in spring. I think they're get, I think he gets at least one more this year in the big leagues, and especially with Libertor now out on the IL, um, I think that's going to open up. I mean, we need arms uh, at the big league level. I mean, we traded away two starters. We have at least uh, we've got what Mats and Libertor now both on the IL um, or out. So I mean. We need some starters. We need some innings. I think Drew Rom gets at least one more, and I think he may not get any more than one more, uh, but I think he gets at least one more start up here at the big league, and I hope he does. I, I really want to see how he rebounds and if if he can kind of uh, look a little bit better and kind of more like the pitcher he was. I mean, he was fooling people left and right on AAA since, since the trade. So Right. And, I mean, that's uh, the thing. Oh, yeah, Thompson started the day. I did not. That I didn't get a chance to watch. I did not realize that they, that they made that change. I mean, here's the thing, right? With the Cardinals, we have these guys who will just be dominant in AAA, and they'll keep them there for an extra year or two longer than, than possibly they need. But, I mean, this is part of the growing pains of getting up to majors. That's why this month is so critical for our young guys that we're calling up. And that's, you know, we talked a lot about that last week. So, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, Zach, yeah, and Zach Thompson looked good. I mean, early in the year, Zach Thompson was – you know, arguably, and, and in my mind, at least, he was our most reliable reliever that first month of the season. But we had no starting pitcher. They sent him down to lengthen out, and he was struggling. I'm intrigued mm-hmm. to see, you know, I think he's probably going to get another at least spot start or two, and we'll see how that plays out. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's anything like today, I mean, I'll I'll take that. Um, you know, is, is, is he ace, you know, pitching like an ace right now? No, but 
you know, he, he gave us, you know, plenty of innings and more innings that we're going to get out of most bullpen guys. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'd like to see him stretch out a little further if he stays a starter into next year. But I also, you know, selfishly, if we can actually sign a couple few starters like Mo's talked about, um, you know, and fill in the rotation, I would love to see uh, Zach Thompson back in the bullpen for those high leverage situations that, you know, he was really thriving in early in the year. Right, right. Right. Another young guy, and I actually put him on our uh, for us to talk about over the weekend when I saw he got called up, and uh, he's done some great things. Uh, and I'm probably going to butcher his name, um, but Richie Palacios, uh, we got him from. So we got him from Cleveland. He was a third round pick in Cleveland, um, but he was DFA'd from Cleveland. They they were done with him. Um, and, you know, sounded to me a lot like a classic change of potential change of scenery candidate. Um, not that I feel like our current minor league pit coaching staff has the tools to truly like turn somebody around. Um, but maybe just needs, you know, something new, maybe a little bit less pressure. Uh, he was very highly touted in their system a, a year or two ago, but his kind of fell off. Um, and then, you know, he gets called up, gets to play against his brother, who's on the Pirates, if you guys didn't know. Um, and so that was kind of a cool moment. He got to make his major league debut against his brother, uh, at least for the major league debut for the Cardinals. Um, and then uh, hit a home run yesterday and then went three for four today in that win we had. Um, so I'm curious to see, you know, is it, you know, the high, is he making the most of it? And is he somebody who's going to stick around or not? And, you know, it, it's kind of that fun time of the year where we can we can wait and see. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts there? Uh, no, I, I have a lot of the same thoughts as you. I mean, it's not uncommon for, for highly rated minor league players to get traded and to suddenly do really, really well. And it's just the change of scenery, you know, <clears throat> it's resetting. It's, you know, being put in a spot where it's suddenly less stress because you're no longer this high draft pick at the other place or someone who they spent a lot to acquire in a trade or, you know, whatever the, that those expectations change. <laughs> when you're giving up like that. Um, I do think as far as hitters go, we have done okay with developing hitters. I, I think we do worse with uh, developing pitchers uh, generally in our minor league system right now. Um, but yeah, I would, I would also agree that it is, we do not fix projects with people we get. You either come in and can do it or we, we get you really young and, and then we can develop you, but we, we are not a fixer. We, we uh, don't have the Dave Duncan anymore that we used to. I think about, uh, if you remember Weaver mm-hmm. on that 06 World Series team, yep. the guy just didn't have it with the Angels and Duncan saw something he could tweak and fix, pitching, tipping pitches, whatever, and goes on that tear. And so, you know, we don't have, I don't feel like we have that right now. It's not to say we won't mm-hmm. get that again, uh, but it is what it is. Um, all right. Of the World Series, though. Let's, let's talk about Wayne a little right? <laughs> so, I don't know about you. I saw that he was lining up against the Pirates, and I said, yes. Number 199. It is happening tonight. I said, I, I, it's going to happen. And he looked really, 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 really good for four innings. And then we're going to the yep. fifth time. Quality start. And hopefully, we can get that win, that some runs in, and we can pull him, and he'll get the win instead of a no decision. But it all fell apart. And the, 
the, it's been the story of Wayno's respect, really the second half of his season so far. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, like yeah. early in the year he had a, went, you know, he got hurt, missed some games. He came back. Our bullpen blew a few games for him that he should have won. I mean, he should have already hit 200 this year. If Absolutely. We, you know, don't yeah. blow him. But the second half of the year, I mean, like he's just, it's that one inning, right? Like mm-hmm. if, if he can avoid that one bad inning, mm-hmm. We'll be fine if we can get him through five innings with a lead. I hope to God that Ollie pulls him and we do everything we can to hold that lead to get him those wins. And, and yeah. he's running out of time, right? I mean, like we're running out of time for one ninety nine and two hundred. We're not going to see him again, at least as a pitcher. Um, I hope we could get to continue to see him around the club and around the team and, and oh, still absolutely. being a part of Cardinals Nation. Um, um, but we're running out of time for those last couple of wins. Um, and, and where do you, I, I just don't know where they're going to come. What do you think? I mean, well, the one thing I want to say before I address that is you also, and this is, you know, just the way it is for pitchers, but this whole year, it just seems like on the days he's pitching, he's getting absolutely no run support. Anyway, you know, if we can hop on the opposing pitcher early, like in the first inning, you go into that second inning and you've got a lead, like you can, you're comfortable, you're relaxed, you're not as worried about, like, not blowing it, you know? And I think that's a big thing in terms of where it's going to happen. Okay. I don't really want to make a prediction, but would it not be the most storybook thing if this happens that I'm about to outline? So he's already projected to start San Diego and Pittsburgh um, when Pittsburgh comes back, or when we go there. I don't remember where that series is. So those are his next two starts. I kind of did some math today to see, you know, what do we got? Because I want to buy tickets to his last home game at Bush. Um, so then it's looking like he's he's going to start against Cincy. Um, then he'll probably start um, at home at, against Philly on 9-15, which is uh, hockey jersey giveaway day, if you were wondering. Then um, at, at home against Milwaukee, then away at Milwaukee, and then he'll probably get the last game of the season on October 1st if it uh, if it continues going the way it currently is. Um, so we'll see on that. Um, but what if he gets one against San Diego or Pittsburgh? They let him keep going out, and then he gets one against Cincinnati. What do you think about that? So what do you yeah. think if he gets that last one? You know, I want to see – part of me would love – I just don't want to wait to the end, right? Like, it would be cool to get it at the end. Right. God, it would make – it's good. I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat every time that guy starts right now, though. Now, imagine that not only is it the literal last game of the season, okay, last game of his career, and he goes out, and he goes full Billy Chaplin for the perfect game. It's basically the entire plot to for love of the game. I'm just saying, you know, could happen. Could happen. If it happens, I will buy you whatever bottle of whiskey you want that's under hundred dollars. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> I will. I will hundred dollar limit, my my friend. 
That's I'm, a, I'm not made of money. That's a great <laughs> qualifier and very wise on your behalf. <laughs> institute that. Um, I know. What do you think? You want to talk about Goldie and Arenado for a minute? Yeah, before I get there real quick, um, somebody just for you guys who are watching, keep an eye on Jojo Romero. Um, he's pitched really great in high leverage situations here towards the end. Um, I don't think he's going to be our closer long term or he will be an answer at closer. I think he could be a fill in closer when, you know, if our guys pitched a couple of days in a row. Um, but I could really see him potentially being that seventh or eighth inning setup guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think how he attacks the strike zone and, you know, throws those first pitch strikes are important. So something for, for anybody who's watching to keep an eye on. Absolutely. Goldie and Arenado. Um, it's so hard to judge because our team's been out of it. So for so long and, you know, you have two competitors who I feel like really want rise, you know, to the challenge of trying to get teams into the, over the hump and into the playoffs, mm-hmm. you know, but they're, you know, Arenado's deep thing that hurt him early in the year was his defense wasn't what it usually is. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, after admitting to the arm fatigue and coming back around, I think it's, you know, easier to say, you know what, Arenado's done Arenado things towards the end of the year and, and hopefully will bounce back. The bigger concern to me right now is Goldie. I just, the guy, the guy is a workhorse. The guy comes in and he busts his ass day in and day out. Um, but does he have, you know, is, is father time starting to catch up with him? Yes or no. I mean, the guy just won an MVP. So I'm not trying to like say that, but you know, at some point you have to wonder, I mean, like, I mean, Brady, when Brady was finally done, it was obvious he was done. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, age waits for some, but not for, they're not, it, age doesn't wait forever. Father time's coming. Um, and, and I think we've still got a couple of years with Goldie, but my concern and again, this needs to, I feel like we, you know, later on we'll do, we'll do a much deeper dive at the end of the season into their numbers and stats, but, you know, from the, 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 you know, the eye test, you know, I think we've got two years, solid years left in him, but I don't know if we have much more and I don't want to potentially trade away somebody that like a Luke and Bright Baker, who's leading all of minor leagues and home runs and RBIs. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want us to potentially trade this guy away because we're like, well, we've got five more years of Goldie when really we don't. And we maybe misjudge that. Um, and, right. and that's not a slight against Goldie at all. The guy isn't, I, from the day he the was traded over here, he's Cardinals. become one of my favorite Cardinals. I mean, he is, he should have been a Cardinal his whole career, the way the guy goes about his games. Absolutely. 100% agree. I mean, he's 35, you know, I don't, I don't think it's, you know, like you mentioned with Brady, like how, how obvious it was with Brady. I don't think this year is that with Goldie, Mm -mm. but I think it might be, it could be the start. You definitely wonder. I mean, his OPS is down a lot from last year and last year was a career year. Sure. But it's still less than his career average has been. Um, and I mean, he is, he, he's 35. I mean, next year it will be when we, when we see, um, I do think that if we were going to move one of the stars at the deadline, um, I do think Goldie would have been the one to move. Um, I'm glad that they didn't. Um, I would have been very upset if they had traded Nolan Arenado. Um, but you know, I think what, what upsets me the most about this year. <clears throat> I think early on there was a little bit of this. But one of the things that I always drew me to Nolan Arenado was that he had a lot of um, 
fire and passion, as you could say, right? When things weren't going well, he was the one trying to get everyone else to get it together. Um, you compare that to Goldie, who is a come in every day, you know, leads by example, just goes in, does his work, gets it figured out, and keeps going. And I just feel like this year, everyone has given up. And I don't know exactly when that happened, but like, it just seems like at this point, everyone's just kind of like, yeah, we're just going to go in and, and it'll be what it'll be. And next year, we're going to figure it out. And that's okay if they figure it out next year. You know, this season is already gone. We can't really change that, but it still is not who we are. Uh, and that that's upsetting to me. But I think, you know, and, you know, everyone's talked about it, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think there was a huge um, under, uh, I think, the, the upper, the, the management, the front office of the Cardinals greatly underestimated everything that Yachty did and how much he was the glue that held that team together. And we've talked about it. And then to bring in somebody like Pujols last year as a mentor and a guide, and then for him to have the second half that he had. And right. it's like, you know, we, we had something. some things last year and, and some leadership in the clubhouse. And I'm not saying Arnado and Goldie aren't great leaders. Um, they're very different leaders. And I think mm-hmm. you cannot have one without the other. And, and that's why I was glad they didn't trade either of them because if they trade one, they need somebody else to fill their shoes because right. Goldie is very much the quiet, silent leader. Mm-hmm. Everyone looks, you know, leads by example. You watch, watch what I do, mm-hmm. do as I do, because I'm not going to say much. Um, and Arenado is the guy who's going to tell you how it is. And it's that fire and that passion and you outwardly see. Um, and I think be, the two of them balance each other out really well. So I'm glad that we still have them both. And I think it's good for the the guys to see. Um, but, you know, where, where does it, you know, what do we do long-term um, and at what point, right. Do we, we try to get a little younger in some of the, you know, in those two, those spots and Arenado is, is younger than Goldie. And I think he's still got several years left of playing the same way that right. he's been playing. But I, I wonder Goldie when that, when that cliff's coming. And, um, you know, I think as we get into, you know, off season and our roster construction ideas and what we think needs to happen. Um, I think this is going to be a big topic for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I only really have, have three more things to say um, on the Cardinals, and then I want to get to City, which is exciting and fun, and, and I, yes. I just I, I want to get to that. So, uh, first off, Carlson also on the IL, just like the Rotors, so like that sucks. Um, might need surgery. They're still trying to figure that out. It's an ankle and an oblique thing both going on. Um, Paul DeYoung, who I know that we've all you know been saying for years that we needed to get rid of and we did and then like two weeks later the blue jays dfa'd him and i feel really really bad about that i feel really bad about that even though we didn't do it um but i mean he went like three for 18 for them after we traded on so like i mean it, it it's clear especially because boba chef was coming back and you know he didn't really have a spot anymore if boba chef comes back that quickly but it still just sucks I mean, I know it's a business, but you know it, it is. And, and the guy, the guy got to play in the major leagues way longer than he should have. Right. Um, and and that's fine. And, but I mean, the guy, the guy came in, and I have do have to say this is he never complained once. Cardinal Nation 
we absolutely ripped him a new one right, every time I he agree. stepped on the diamond and the guy embraced us nonetheless um he and, and he, he did in a lot of respects um but on the flip side god he could not hit major league pitching the last however many years so anyway what <laughs> what else do you got for me um two more things so you remember a few years ago we made a big push to sign uh John Carlos Stanton, right? Yeah. So instead, we got the the wonderful uh, Ozuna. That's true. That did not really work out for us. That being said, do you know how much money the Yankees have spent on Stanton for him to not play? How much money they have spent on just on games he has not played? No idea. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Let's see. So this was what 2018 when this happened, right? Uh, around there. It was yeah. before the 2018 season. So I'm gonna guess they've spent north of seventy million. Oh, well, that's that that is actually overshooting it, but it is it is fifty point five million dollars on games that he was unavailable to play due to injury. So that, I mean, and although if we had still made the Arenado trade, that fifty million from the Rockies would have, would have offset it. that. That would have funded it. I know that's <laughs> what we need. We need to find another team that pay us fifty million dollars to take their star. That's what we need. Let me tell you, that was that was Mazzoliak's best day. He has never been more loved by Cardinals fans than the day that broke. And he will never reach that again because that was just absurd, <laughs> the audacity of him to steal that. Um, and then the last thing here, um, two more things. Thank God that the Yankees, the Mets, and the Padres all also suck this year because they're spending a lot more money than we are to be not better really than us and so the only reason why we're not a joke is because they are bigger jokes <laughs> and i'm okay with that the padres still have a chance at a wild card spot so we'll see how the end of the season here plays out i'm not going to say they're going to get it but they're at least still they're still mathematically in the hunt uh the mets and yankees are um mathematically. It, it, the, it, i just here's my thing um both New York teams um, also suck. So I'll take the year we're having. <laughs> That's right. The last thing on the Cardinals. I call this the 10-second yes or no. You don't have to explain anything. It's just me asking a question that you have not heard, and you have to give your answer, and then I will tell you my answer, too. It's not meant right. to be a debate. It's just yes or no. Let's see it. Ollie Marmol is the manager of the Cardinals next year. Yes. I agree. The answer is yes, but it should be no. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly how I felt. All right. Moving on. St. Louis City. Oh, my God. Thank, thank God. Uh, thank, thank God, God we have St. Louis City. That's Boston. Can I, can I recap uh, the intro here? Yeah. There's certain things that are guaranteed in life. Guaranteed. Um, Death, taxes, and Austin giving us the ball in their own third for a goal. That's right. In the game. In the game. And fourth, that Tenny Parker's coming up with a big header right into the goal for the first well, goal. It's, it's why he's got to do that, the hair swipe back, you know, keep right. that forehead open for those headers. That's right. You know, that forehead was made for Eddie Lubin free kicks. When God made Tenny uh, Parker. He said, Eddie Lubin's going to just put that ball on that forehead all the time. And that's what happened. 
and you know, I, I'm watching that, and, and I'm you know I'm immediately having flashbacks to the first game, you know, because that's how we scored our very first goal ever as an MLS. That was that was and, that game. Both games, both games against Austin were absolute lightning for me to watch. Yes, yes. and I mean this one did not have you know, the energy and the release of the first one because the first the first one, you know, you only get one first game, right? And, um, you know, everyone was saying how bad we were going to be this year and to come out and the score first and, and then to end up going down two to one and then to come back and win it anyway. Um, nothing will compare to that game, but we've had some good ones and this was definitely one of them. I mean, six to three, like we, we put up a touchdown. We missed the extra point. But we put up a touchdown on Austin, and I think that's pretty commendable. Yes. Um, I do think uh, with that, so we had the Tim Parker header, okay, one. Then Nico gets that perfectly weighted pass from Eddie Rubin, right? Oh, my God. And then he comes up, and just, just again, this word we're going to keep hammering here, the audacity (laughs) of the Austin center back. Think he's going to stop Nico one on one in the box, and Nico just does that little shifty move to get him to bite to the side, and then Nico just throws it off the post into the into the back of the net. And I'm you know, watching that, I was, I was listening to the announcers, and by yeah. not just the announcers, but also my wife sitting next to me, mm-hmm. who are like, "What is he doing? What is he doing?" Right? As mm-hmm. you know, he had that, but he had no angle on it. He either had to pound it near post, potentially into the top netting. Yeah. Or he needed to do what he did, which was pull it back and try to create right. an angle for the far post. And it it was pretty and it was well done. It really was. And as much as I loved that goal, because that goal is like, that is typical Nico Giochini. That is like the kind of thing he can do. But that next goal he scored, right? So he comes up and I think it was Paisley to Alm and then Alm's coming in. And he just makes that beautiful pass across the face of the goal. Yes. Nico, and Nico makes a, just a fantastic shot and Stuver blocks it. And I'm like, oh my God, how did Stuver stop that? And then I realized he didn't wrap it up. He knocked it back into play. And Nico, who's laying on the ground, sees that, jumps up and basically slides back into the box to knock it in. And just like that's the kind of never stop mentality that that we had when Klaus was playing, or when Th- Thomas Ostra has done things like that several times, and and I, mm-hmm. I love seeing that. Yeah, I there's I have two things with that goal that I'd like to point out. One, Alm gets robbed because he doesn't get an assist on that. Yes, because the blocks off of Stuber, I agree. Yeah. Correct, um, but Alm absolutely laid out the most perfect ball there. Mm-hmm. Two. Yeah. It's the fastest I've seen Nico get off the ground all season. All season. All season, <laughs> yeah. You don't have to draw a foul if you can just hit it back in. But that was okay. the best goal of the game. The next goal. The goal number four was my favorite goal of the game. It, it was goal of the match day. Do you know that? I didn't see that it was goal of the match day, but yeah, that's... They announced it today. And it, it's, it's so deserving. It's so deserving. So... Again, you have this just perfectly placed ball, I believe, from Eddie Lubin again out into uh, out into open space. Alm collects it, 
I'd like to point this out. This was Leuven's third assist of the game on this one, by the way. He did finish the game with three assists. Actually, I think that one was Ostrak. Nope, this one was Leuven had three. This was his third. Right, I think it was Ostrak's goal. We'll look into it. We'll, we'll, we'll touch base. Um, and then also, to touch that off, we skipped over this. The absolute rocket that Leuven pounced off the crossbar in the first half. Oh, no. I know. <laughs> If that was an inch lower, <laughs> that's going to ricochet down into the goal. And Stuber had Their no goalie chance. didn't even no move. Chance. He knew he had no chance. Right. Yeah, that was uh, – yeah, that – you could hear, you could, like, hear the crossbar echo on the, uh, on the broadcast. And I was like, wow. Um, but yeah, so Sam gets it. He's bringing it up. And so you see the one center back kind of come up on Sam's left. And then you see the other center back coming up from Sam's right. And then Sam just takes the, the outside of his foot and just flicks it in, in between them and over Stuver's shoulder into the net. And I, I remember texting you when that happened, like just like all caps, what the F just happened? Oh my God, what the, how? Oh, my, I mean, my phone is blowing this. up and I'm, I'm sitting there uh, and, and, uh, for those listeners who don't know, uh, my wife uh, was never really a soccer fan. Um, World Cup came around this last year, and I've been a Messi fan. I've been a Barcelona fan for my whole life. Sure. Messi came up. I've watched Messi. I've cheered for him in every World Cup. Um, the World Cup changed her uh, in ways that I can never thank the World Cup enough for, to the point where in the U.S. games and in the Argentina games, when things were happening, she was yelling at the TV, um, and she has been fully committed to a soccer fan. So we watch all the city games together. But, oh, my God, my phone is blowing up, and she's like, why are you looking at your phone? Are you not seeing what's happening? <laughs> you must have been on a slight delay compared to me. So Oh, I, I wasn't. She, they were just showing replays. Um, oh, she yeah. was just hyped, absolutely pumped, was, and kudos to her. But, yes, it, I might. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, like, jaw dropping. But then but then Ostrax was almost the exact same goal, not quite as audacious. Um, but, you know, kind of the, the same thing where he gets the pass right into the box and just immediately – Flicks it in right almost from the exact same spot. It was it was ridiculous. That was and that outside of the left foot, the curl into there was great. The Ostrak was the same spot, but with the right foot, the curling right. into the corner. Right. And just those back-to-back goals, the same spot was just right. And I mean it was and it was, you know, towards the end of the game. And the other thing that we're not talking about here, and we're, we're gonna come back to it, but it was just like you know, Oster, that was literally one minute after he subbed into the game. Like, they subbed him in in the 87, and, and that goal came in the 88. Like, it was just, like, immediate. How many times have you and I had the discussion all season about how good Ostrak looks as a sub? Because mm-hmm. he will absolutely run his own wheels off if he yeah. comes in as a sub in, like, the 60th minute or later because right. he knows he doesn't have to pace himself. Right, right. Same thing with Shroud, same thing with Salio. Yeah, 100% agree. And and if we're going to really be successful, Ostrak has to be part of that because he's one of the highest paid guys on the team. I think he's like the fifth highest paid guy on the team. Um, maybe even higher if you count. Actually, he probably is. He's the fifth highest paid player by City because um, even though I believe Tim Parker makes more, half of Tim Parker's salary is still being paid by Houston. So Yeah. And, um, you know, 
talk about speaking of paying people uh celio is the bargain of the world i think we're paying him like sixty thousand dollars this year i mean like we're paying him we're paying him absolute pennies and the guy just he he i love that guy Um, but it works so much i've i've i have said i have said it before and you know this Mm -hmm. i might be one of the biggest celio fans that st louis Mm -hmm. city has i talked about the guy non-stop i might be the biggest celio uh well i don't know my wife is uh all about him as well and loves the way that he plays the game outside of outside of berkey but i mean that might be because i think she has a a slight crush on berkey so He's, he's a pretty man. Uh, I have a crush on Berkey, but that's neither here nor there. Well, the other thing that I like about Sarah, before we talk about Stan's other goal, is that some of you who will look to advance the ball by dribbling, and that's something that not a lot of other guys on our team really try to do. Uh, and I think it does add a nice, like, dynamic uh, part to our game and our team. Um, and then the last one was... Um, was big Sam again coming in for? Hey, Austin had. I mean, they didn't have the opportunity for the back pass back to us. Um, and you know, you and I talked about this earlier. Do you how much the guy is? Big Sam is a beast. Um, and maybe it wasn't you. Maybe it was my. So uh, my neighbor Matt uh, and Matt, if you're finally watching the, this because you said you were going to on your uh, flight down to uh, have some fun times. Um, hi there, buddy. But it might have been Matt uh, earlier this evening. We were talking about how much do you think that the Big Sam interception was the goalie 110% not accounting for how fast he truly is? That and just how big he is, too. Like, I mean, like if that was easy right there, that ball's going over his head, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Big Sam is, is a big guy too the guy's six foot five right i mean like i'm not a little guy and i'm pretty sure i'd look real small next to that guy yeah (laughs) he's so fast he's so fast um but that was pure class as well just just drilling it back in into the top corner on the opposite side of the net that was just and that was the last peak of the game too like I think it was supposed to be, I think I'd heard it was supposed to be six minutes of stoppage time, but that was right at five minutes. And I think the the head ref just, just called it there. It was like, no, we're, we're done. Um, you know, the thing, too, about all of these goals is, so we go into half and we're up two up, right? And then I think like in the 49th, 50th minute, that's when Nico got his other, his second goal, okay? And then it all starts mm-hmm. to fall for, in terms of, of just like, organization like it was just like no one was playing defense anymore after the 60th minute basically is, is how it was going on there were seven goals in the second half that's that's so stupid um but i think that's you know what happens is is we're up 3-0 and austin scores and again just the audacity of austin to think that they had a chance to come back into this game because they scored and then we scored another then Austin would come and score, and then we'd score immediately. And then they'd score, and then we score to end the game. You know, I would like to point out some um uh, so my wife and you know, um we our defense looks suspect, and we'll talk about it here a little bit in a in a absolutely. minute. It, it's on our agenda to talk about here, but it is absolutely it is. we still if we had got into half tied zero zero, we still win <laughs> that game four three. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a tighter game, but we still, we, we still outscored yeah. them in that second half. Uh, we yeah. increased the lead and, and it not, it was not as pretty as I wanted it to be, but we, we pulled it off. So I, it, well, I, mean, I mean, like, did you now, I think you were the one who sent it to me. Um, and for those of you uh, who, who don't realize that some people actually turned off the city game because they're not true city fans, they're MLS fans. <laughs> there was a comparison made um, that on I Reddit. on Reddit um, by a fan of, I believe it was the Seattle Sounders game. Um, so he turned off our game to watch his Seattle Sounders because he's a Sounders fan. And at the time, there was only eight goals scored. The ninth goal had not been scored in our game yet when he made the post. Um, but he posted that, I can't believe I just turned off an eight-game thriller to watch my Seattle San- Sounders play like my grandmother. Um, and I believe it ended in that his grandmother had been dead for five years. Yeah. Um, and so... Which is completely unnecessary information. <laughs> unnecessary information. Uh, I want to shout out to that guy for being as honest as possible. But also, maybe he should be a City fan. Uh, he absolutely should be. He absolutely should be. <laughs> Um, and I mean, part of it is gain state too, right? With this, how this went, like, because you know, everyone immediately after everyone was talking about, you know, the XG on the socials and how Austin should have won this game because of the XG. No, it's not all of their expected goals. So if you're listening, you don't know what XG is. It's expected goals. It's a measure of basically how likely you are to score a goal based off of where you're shooting from and where other players are around you. So it's basically saying you're more likely to score goals because you're in better positions when you're taking these shots. And then in terms of the expected goals, Austin won the game. But it's, you don't play the game by how many goals you expect to score. You play the game by how many goals you actually score. But it's also very much driven by game state, you know. And if you see it in almost every game. A lot of times whoever goes out to a lead early ends up with less expected goals because they're really not – pushing offensively to get into those strong positions to create goal-scoring chances. Now, we still scored a lot of goals because we were very clinical in this game, but we weren't really, like, trying to do get into those dangerous positions except for whenever they made big mistakes. I think a perfect example of this was look at Big Sam's first goal. Mm-hmm. Beautifully played, perfectly played ball all the way out to to big sam on the run he makes the move chips it in it's a goal right we it was it's a counterattack, right we were playing to to save the game and i have some thoughts on things that we could do better to to save the game and we'll get to that in here in a minute but there was an, an opportunity there you know we took advantage of the opportunities and we got high percentage opportunities because you know big sam you know, made the most of that opportunity, but that, that guy, big Sam has absolutely, I mean, skyrocketed his value. Um, And, you know, for, for a guy that came into the season, not really worth much. I mean, ended up with San Antonio uh, being loaned out. We called back. If Klaus doesn't get hurt, I don't think we truly realize what we have in big Sam. Um, But back to the expected goals. I mean, like, you know, our goals is way above our expected goals for the season, but it's because of the style of soccer St. Louis City plays. Mm-hmm. When you play the press, when you're doing certain things, yeah, you're going to get quick. You're going to have quick opportunities. You're going to rip quick shots. You're going to get a quick, fast breakaway and take take the chance. And it may not be the best angle, but 
if you get enough of those chances or if you have guys that can finish those chances like we did on Sunday, mm-hmm. you're going to see this. You're going to see a, you're going to see a huge discrepancy there. Yeah. Yeah. I will say as far as value goes, goes uh, one thing I wanted to just mention real quick is transfer market actually updated their MLS values this week. Yes, so, they did. Yes, they did. So at the beginning of the year, I think they were valuing us moving to least valued team. And what this means for those of you who maybe aren't soccer fans is so soccer is a global market. And instead of really trading players, um, teams will just will just buy players rights, basically. And this website transfer market tries to assign a value to what a player's rights are worth. And our cumulative value at the beginning of the season was somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 million US dollars. And we were the least valuable team in MLS. Well, we are now not the most valuable team, but we are now worth $41 million. And that's, you know, we've only made two acquisitions and they were worth maybe by themselves about a million dollars in transfer fees. Um, So, I mean, we've really grown the value of our team. And I don't think it's that our players have necessarily developed so much this, you know, during this season. It's just they're getting the chance to showcase these skills that they've had. And that really just speaks to Lutz finding all of these players over the last year and a half to two years that he's been doing this. I think, uh, you know, it's not just that, but it's putting people in the right system and the right way to, the way this team was constructed Mm -hmm. from the start, right? We found Mm -hmm. players that when we knew would succeed in our system, Mm -hmm. um, I see some of our players potentially getting a lot of looks in places like the, uh, if they end up getting bought out, our rights get bought out. It's going to be in Belgium. It's going to be in Germany, places where this high press is really Mm -hmm. favored. Um, and, And I think, you know, it's, we, we've put people in a position to succeed, but, you know, mm-hmm. some of the guys that have seen the biggest hike in what their transfer market value are, we're talking about guys like AZ Jackson, who mm-hmm. was a city two player to start the year. Right. And, and somebody that we were last year, Minnesota two player that absolutely tore us up that they didn't protect. So we stole it. Yeah. We stole um, it. <laughs> you know, uh, we, we talk about players like, you know, Big Sam, who was a no, nobody. I mean, he was a afterthought. Was he with the Seattle Sounders? Mm-hmm. I believe when we got him. And I mean, like, and a complete afterthought on their team because they didn't know what to do with him. Um, you, but then you oh, also look at guys who are having career. You look at guys who are having, you know, are in the right system and having great years. Edward Leuven's value has gone up. Roman Berkey's value has gone up. Tim Parker's value has gone up. I mean, so it's not just the the other guys. I mean, you know, Celio is worth, Lord knows, way more than the $60,000 you were paying him. Mm-hmm. And, and so all of that stuff adds up. And I mean, our team is is worth way more than it, what it was. And that's that's a huge shout out. To, to BC Bradley Carnell and and the way that he puts players and 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 as well as Lutz right, mm-hmm. Lutz yeah. and Bradley are putting guys in p- positions to succeed mm-hmm. in our system in ways that otherwise they would never you know in where they were at they were not going to have the same opportunity to have that they do now. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, the last thing I really want to touch on for this game is you know it all fell apart kind of towards the end for both teams and I think that's what happens when you have two teams playing against each other that took a three and a half, four week break between matches and you're playing at 9 PM and it's a hundred degrees with a heat index that God knows what it actually was. Like it's hard to play this game for 90 minutes. Like it's tiring at the end. And, and I mean, I think that's just 
that's just what happens. I do, and, and we talked a little bit about this with Kyle Hebert. I think, you know, one bad tackle in the box, which he has now kind of shown a penchant for doing. I mean, that's the third time that's happened this year where he's made a bad slide tackle in the box. Um, so there's the first one. Um, the second one, you can, it's kind of like an everyone thing, but he, it kind of definitely looks like when you watch it, like maybe he was supposed to be covering the guy who takes the shot. The third one, I really strongly felt that way. And I think it was also yes. a little bit of bad luck because Nielsen comes in and we haven't even talked about how Nielsen and Nupi both got their, their starts, you know, or their, their first minutes with the team. Um, I mean, Thor's son. Yes. Thor's son. Thor's son. Yes. That guy. But Nielsen comes in, makes a just a really a great tackle, but it just lands at an Austin player's feet. And and I mean that's that's gonna happen sometimes, and that's bad luck. But you know, you I kind of wish that Kyle had, had taken that step quicker to get there and probably would have stopped that goal from coming in for that third one. I, I feel like Hebert there's two factors here and, and Kyle Hebert has been great for us this year. So I don't want to take anything right away from the guy. Um, but the guy in most games that I've seen him play looks absolutely gassed after about the 70th minute. Um, and he's and and, and absolutely, I say absolutely gassed, not truly absolutely gassed, but like if you watch him, he's a step slow on everything mm-hmm. early in the game. He's quick to step two. He's quick to step, mm-hmm. step up and take the, the put pressure on and I think you saw that especially on that third goal mm-hmm. where he was slow it, it, it's just it's I don't even know that it's not that his mind is compute like he knows what he needs to do I think his body is just he's I don't know that he's fit enough to go a full 90 at MLS pace yeah I do think as far as that goes that I'm, I'm not going to take anything away from that game as far as that, because it was just such a hot game. And I mean, Leuven, if you're watching Leuven the last like five, 10 minutes of the game, dude was, was basically walking slower than Messi does everywhere, <laughs> you know, in between things. Like, you leave my Messi alone. That's right. Um, and then the, the other time that that happened was against Jacob Schaffelberg against Nashville, who was probably faster than Samuel Dinner. And that guy is so fast. And they use any chance you think we can sign him? (laughs) I don't think they're going to get him up. They they really like to spread the field with him, but he would be just fantastic to just just Schaffelberg is go for it. That guy, you know what? Maybe we can trade him a Canadian for Canadian. We can give him Hebert. We can get Schaffelberg back. Um, Well, until we know if Marcanic can play left back, I I think they're keeping Hebert. but yeah, I think I think uh, we're we're getting a little low on time though, so I'm gonna kind of move on. What do you think? Yeah, let's let's move real quick. A um, couple of things uh, from this game that I want to bring up. Sure. Um, you know what happens with Hebert moving forward? I'm not sure. I think he still is your starting left back. I think mm-hmm. we might need to be quicker to sub him out in games where he looks gassed. Um, and that's my thing is is I, I Bradley Carnell and I I am the last person that needs to question Bradley Carnell. The guy has done so much right this year, um, but there's times that I wonder if maybe he could sub just a little bit quicker um, and, and kind of get things going. The other big thing is Stroud cannot play, keep playing on the left side. Mm-hmm. The guy has no left foot. He gets the ball down on the side, and, and Stroud might be one of the players that 
you and I have talked about, about absolutely adoring his tenacity and his ability mm-hmm. to just create havoc for other teams. Mm-hmm. But there's so many times where it's like, he just looks as with his touch almost lost. And, and I wonder if it's, he feels the pressure of, I, there's a lot of guys and in St. Louis city and city too. And, you know, all these, you know, signing people like Thor's son. Um, and I'm going to continue to call him Thor's yeah, son instead of Thorson. Um, but, you know, you know, if he feels the pressure on his spot going and, and maybe he's trying to push a little too much rather than just being the guy he was at the beginning of the year, which is I'm going to create as much havoc as I can for the other team and just try to make the right decisions. Um, and, and I think we'll see how that goes as this season moves on. Yeah. I mean, I, I it is my view that, that Nookley Thorson is probably the starter at that position next year um, for most games, but, but we're going to cover that at a later date. Um, but I think, uh, and I do agree with uh, coaches subbing. I, I do think we need to be quicker to sub because we always seem to do subs right after they score a goal. And like, okay, if we had subbed a little bit earlier, maybe we could have had fresh legs and prevented that counter or something. But mm-hmm. uh, let's talk about Orlando and Dallas. So uh, uh, this, these, <laughs> we've got two games in what four day span. <laughs> uh, not. Quite. I think it's five days. I think five that, days. Uh, what was it? It's. I well, think it would it's, be four at the end of next week because it's three and eight days. So it's Saturday, yeah. Wednesday, Saturday. So yeah, three. Yeah, it's 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 going to be a rough stretch. It is, yeah, but we've been there. We've done this before, and we are going to have to rotate a little bit um, when we get there. I do think um, if you're going to rotate, I think you have to rotate for Dallas. I think when, when you look at maximizing your points, right? You want to keep your best squad on the Saturday schedule. Um, so I think you probably bring the best squad against Orlando. You rotate a little bit against Dallas, and then you bring the best squad again to start against Kansas City, uh, who, of course, you also want to beat because, you know, their barbecue lacks flavor. So Their barbecue does lack flavor. And I want to give a shout-out. Um, is that the uh, – I believe who, – who made those shirts? Now I've got to look it up. Um, uh, I, I know the Luligans sell them. Or I think they do. I think I think it's the Lula, St. Luligans. Uh, if you guys aren't uh, aware, big fans, city fan supporter group. Um, and I actually have one of those shirts in order. I need to get down and go pick up before one of the next couple games. But uh, if you I'm didn't sure know, there is a pick up. There, there is a. <laughs> yeah, I, I have your hoodie over here, but there is a shirt out there. If you guys didn't know, um, that you can wear for can't for games when we play KC. Um, that specifically states that Kansas City's barbecue does lack flavor. Uh, we all know it's true. Uh, their uh, soccer team also lacks anything resembling what we have in St. Louis City, which is good soccer. So um, we'll go ahead and throw that out there as well. Absolutely. Um, some really fun news, though. Um, Nielsen will probably start against Orlando. Uh, BC said after um, practice, uh, I guess, yesterday, that he is uh, that he considers them starting ready, um, which is good awesome. news. He did not have to have his knee drained after the I game on that. Saturday. Yeah. Granted, it was minimal minutes, but uh, I'll take any positive I can take there. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, he probably won't play a full ninety, but you know, half sixty minutes—that's enough. That's enough, I think. Uh, but we'll, there's a good chance we're going to see Klaus back this week. The closest coach has come to announcing Klaus being back. Since saying that he is broadly ready right now, 
I I don't know that the entire St. Louis City fan base is so ready for their German, I mean, Brazilian player to come back. And, you know, he, the guy, I'm really intrigued to see who Carnell wants to pair him up with up top. Is it Giochini? Is that what he sees? Or does he see Big Sam? Can you imagine having Big Sam and Klaus up top together, even for 30 minutes of a game? I'm excited about the. I'm excited in my mind about the concept of it. We'll see how it plays out on the field. I think it'll be Nico first. Him and Nico were very good together at the beginning of the year. Him and Sam, a few times they were out there together. And this is, you know, probably just a, a chemistry thing and getting to know each other kind of thing because they were playing the same locations. They were playing into the same spaces. Whereas, you know, Klaus and Nico were intuitively, you know, playing off of each other. That's mm-hmm. not to say that he can't with Sam. It's just a, you know, a familiarity thing, right? I felt the same yeah. way a little bit with, with Nookby Thorson and the dinner at, uh, at uh, the Austin game. You know, they both like coming coming in from that left side, and even with Sam supposedly being on the right, they just kind of naturally were finding themselves in the same spots. But that, that just takes time. These guys just met two weeks ago. Like, I think Sam has really shown his ability to play the left. And I mm-hmm. think if you could, if you get Klaus and Sam up there together, you really need Klaus is somebody who can play both right and left. Yeah. But you really kind of have to stress to Klaus to almost stay on the right. And I, I I don't know if he has it in him, right? The guy, the guy is a gamer and he's going to want to go 120% the moment he steps on that field. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, uh, one, the next thing we kind of had to cover was some formation changes with player rotations. I'm curious your thoughts on this. This is something that you added. So I really want to hear what you're thinking. So here's my, th- here's my thought. And this is something that that I thought maybe we should have done earlier in the game against Austin, prevent goals, mm-hmm. is go to a three center back look or to a five line of five on defense. Um, so part of me wonders if we had put in, and you know, it might be Yara, it might be Bartlett, it might be whoever, but you've got Nielsen and you've got Parker. You throw Yara or Bartlett in there. And you have three center backs that are really able to challenge things. Um, And especially if you've got a lead, if you've got a two goal lead, protect the lead and allow your outside backs to do the work. And in a perfect world, I would, I I say perfect world in my mind, what I would have loved to have seen Carnell do uh, when we had that multiple goal lead and, you know, 60th minute, 65th minute is I would have loved to have seen Hebert come out, uh, put Nelson on the left side to allow him to push up and kind of pressure a little more freely and bring Nielsen on a little earlier mm-hmm. and really run a three back look. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got, you've got five, you Watts already plays a right wing back. I mean, mm-hmm. he, that's essentially what the guy's already doing. Right. Um, but that three center back look, I think could have really helped us preserve that lead. And, but, you know, when you get to the playoffs, right. And, you know, I'm not sure if we're truly set up for a true three center back look come playoff time, but if you do go three center backs for playoffs, right. You, you, if Nielsen is is game fit, Mm -hmm. you're starting Nielsen and you're starting Parker, but who's your third center back for a playoff game. 
I think it depends on if Marcana can play left back, right? Because if, if they had done that, Marcana would have been the one coming in um, in the last game. Uh, it, 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 you know, maybe it's just, hey, it's your first game. We're going to let you go out there if we have an opportunity or whatever. Uh, or it could just be that he's already, you know, become that second center back and he's going to get an opportunity. I suspect he'll probably, you know, I don't know if he'll necessarily be playing on Saturday, but I think he'll definitely be starting on Wednesday if he doesn't start on Saturday. And, um, <clears throat> and so we'll have to take a look at that. Um, I think it's it's either Hebert or Yarrow. Um, because I have the same concerns with John Bell and Lucas Bartlett as you do with Hebert. Um, I think after the 60th minute, and, and it's also just the way they play, those two guys, those two guys play where they are nonstop sprinting the entire time. And, and that's hard to go a full 90 with that style, and it works very well for them. But um, that I do, you know, BC has shown that he does not like doing defensive subs. So I do think that Yarrow is probably the guy there. Um, on top of the fact that Yarrow has been here, you know, since day one and, you know, was the captain on City 2. And, you know, if Berkey isn't playing, like, remember that Open Cup game we went to, Yarrow was the captain for that game. And, and so I, I think and it's... Can I highlight one of my favorite City moments of the year while we're talking about Yarrow and that and that Open Cup game we went to? Mm-hmm. Um, so we were playing Omaha Union uh, mm-hmm. the, here in City. Mm-hmm. And there was a guy who was very much trying to make his physical presence known. Mm-hmm. And of course the first person he picks out is Celio, who's a little guy and Celio's not going to back down guy. from anyone. Um, so he doesn't care and God love him again. Celio will for, again, holds a thought near and dear to my heart. The guy legit was like, I'm going to run through the next city player who comes at me and tries mm-hmm. to challenge me. Yes. And the guy picked he of all Yara. people, he picked Yarrow. Right. And for anybody who hasn't seen Yarrow up close and in person, the guy is absolutely jacked. I'm pretty sure if I went up to him, uh, I could throw a punch. And I'm not a small guy. I'm what, 6'2", 235. I'm not a little man. I come at this guy and the, I could throw a punch and he'd look at me and chuckle and then throw me 30 feet across the room. The guy is jacked. And the guy sure just bounced off of him. Right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Yaro could be standing still and I could run and hit him at full speed and he would still be standing and I would be on the ground. Oh, I guarantee it would happen. Guaranteed. Um, But yeah, that's who I think it is. Um, The other nice thing, though, is that with this win against Austin is we're pretty much guaranteed a playoff spot now. Uh, If you look at historically like being the ninth place team, though, because normally the ninth place team is 42 or 45 points. And we have expanded playoffs this year where the ninth place team gets the, you know, kind of like a wild card play in game. Um, and we're at 44 points now. So that's a really nice It's actually game. not even a true wild card play in game. If you, if you look at the standings, the, the number one seed gets a buy. Well, that, that's how it used to be. It's, it's eight and nine play each other. Um, and then they immediately, like, and I don't know how the schedule will work. But then the eight and nine team winner, I think goes in and they just immediately do four and four, like one and eight, two and seven, three and six, four and five. See, uh, maybe I, maybe I looked at it right. I was under the impression that one got a buy into the next round and two through nine play like the, the 
two leg piece and then one jumps in in the next round yeah that's basically how it was before um although i think it was seven it was two through seven um but they changed it this year because they have a it's actually a best of three in the first round of the playoffs where you do uh, the, the higher seed gets a home game and then they play an away game and then say it's like as i say say we host we get one, one game here and then a game at the other place. And then if each team wins, then you go back to the higher seeds home stadium for a game. Uh, but if we were to win both games, then we would, we would just move on. At that point. Um, but yeah, I think that is how it, Either way. it used to be. It, it's, it's a mess. Um, I want to kind of, I'm, I'm curious. Do you, I haven't seen anything, so I don't think it's going to happen. What mm-hmm. day do they officially announce rescinded yellow cards? Uh, I think we're past that day. I agree. With, about That's Blom. what I thought. I really thought Blom's yellow card was going to get rescinded. Yeah. Um, according to a quote I, I read from Coach, I guess, you know, because there's some, you know, and this happens where people are pushing against each other, trying to get some space for the throw in. And I guess the, the way Blom pushed him is it kind of hit, like, the, you know, the top of the back, bottom of the neck. And that's, you know, basically why you got the yellow is for that, basically. And because of that contact, you're not going to get it. And I know it's like technically officially a red or whatever, but whatever. It's freaking stupid. He's out for Orlando, and that sucks. Um, I have to imagine. But at the game. flip side, we're playing games so close together, he was probably going to sit one either way. Right. So and at now least we now we know which one he's sitting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and you have to imagine it's going to be Indy playing in that spot um, for the next game. Perez off the bench. Here's um, here's my concern with that, right? It, and this, we've talked, but you and I have talked about this. But right. when you pull Blom out, mm-hmm. if Leuven's playing, the guy drops way back to try to account for the fact that he doesn't have Blom. Right. Um, and Miggy, you know, when with with Perez, it's not that he can't play the position; he just doesn't have he's still a kid and it's not to sound bad, but he doesn't have that same physicality that Blom or Leuven has. Mm-hmm. I mean, Leuven's built like an NFL linebacker. Blom is not built like that, but Blom is quite possibly the scariest man on the field uh, mm-hmm. for any, for the other team. I mean, like if players don't have nightmares of him and I think I might've said this last week and I'll probably say it every week. Uh, so fair warning for everyone, but if opposing players don't have nightmares of Blom showing up out of nowhere and stealing the ball or slide tackling them, mm-hmm. they haven't played City yet. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And he can he can get some slide tackles. Uh, just phenomenal. Phenomenal. And, and I trust him way. to leave his feet a whole lot more than Hebert. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, most of his yellows are crap anyway like almost every single game when he like the things that you think that he should get a yellow for he won't but then he'll get a yellow for something just like just completely stupid not throwing the ball in fast enough yeah right yeah uh, just, <laughs> just stupid crap but yeah um two more things just kind of talking about the rest of the season here um so we're two wins away from tying lafc for the most wins by expansion side which i think is pretty cool uh LAFC earned 57 points in their first season, so only 13 points more than us uh, with 10 games left to go. I think it's realistic to think we could beat that, although we do have a lot of 
tough games ahead of us this year, but uh, you know, I think we could beat that. Hey, um, those two wins against KC are going to help. I think they absolutely will. That'll get us to 50. Um, the other thing is, and I, at this point, the game should be ended. The first thing I'm going to do when we hang up in a couple minutes is see uh, who won out of RSL in Houston. Uh, Miami did beat Cincinnati today in the U.S. Open Cup, um, which really did not matter because they both pretty much already have CONCACAF Champions Cup spots locked down for next year uh, because no one's going to catch Cincy probably in the Shield race. Um, so basically, whoever they play against is going to get that spot for the U.S. Open Cup. And I'm hoping it's RSL uh, over Houston because if RSL gets it, that opens up an extra spot for that where if LAFC or someone catches us, that's an extra spot, I think, in the Shield standings that we are more likely to get. We're, we're too far away from Houston for Houston to jump us in the Shield standings, but RSL is still close enough that they could finish the season theoretically with more points than us. Um, so I'm hoping that that's who, who won that one. Um, did you have anything else on, on those things? No. Um, if you wanted to know, uh, just FYI, I'm check, score checking actively. Uh, it's two to one uh, Houston over RSL in the semifinals. So um, in the 105th minute, but um, other uh, kicker is uh, LFC is up three, nothing right now against Colorado. So um, thank yeah. God we uh, did pull off that W I expected uh, mm -hmm. LAFC to win at home against Colorado, but good to see. Yeah. Yeah. That was I, I already I wrote that in pen. <laughs> LAC won this game. Um, and then uh, I do have a question for you. Sure. Uh, my question is, so you keep putting these 10-second yes or no questions and not giving me any preface ahead of time. So what's my 10-second uh, yes or no question for uh, St. Louis City? Yeah, so as, um, as you know, for our listeners who may not know, um, I, I alluded earlier to how players or teams can buy rights of players, um, and, you know, and that's basically how they trade. And those come during these these windows, these transfer windows is what they call them. Uh, the U.S. transfer window for the summer ended at the beginning of August. But the European transfer window for most countries is for about another week. It's normally the end of August. So with that being said, yes or no, Azio Jackson will end this season as a city player in yes. our season. I think he ends our season as a city player. And the reason I say that is I don't think Lutz and BC mm -hmm. are willing to give up what he's bringing to the team. The fact that we're starting him over Indiana Vasilev right now mm -hmm. is right. all you need to know. Right. <laughs> and and think... for those listeners who don't know, Indiana Vasilev just spent the last season playing in the Premier League in England on loan from Miami because at the time Miami didn't know what the hell to do as a team. Hmm? That's backwards. I thought he was with I thought he was uh he was Miami's uh, player that they lo and Miami loaned him out to Austin Villa, right? Ashton Ashton Villa loaned him to Miami. Uh and then when we took him in the in the uh, in the expansion draft, we had to like negotiate a transfer for him from Ashton Villa. That's the only reason I know that is because like okay. there was a thing about how he wasn't like actually um, our player yet. We still had to negotiate the transfer. Um, 
with them because of the, the single market, uh, single entity nature of MLS and stuff. But but still, he was he came up in the Aston Villa academy, like like the guy I mean, can ball. The guy can ball. He came up in the Premier League, and if anybody who doesn't know Premier League, the you know in the in the leagues of soccer across the world, there's Premier League. Then down here, you've got you know you've got a little bit you know a little ways below that, you've got your Bundesliga, mm-hmm. your in, in one in Germany, you've got your La Liga in Spain. Right below that, you've got your uh, Serie A in, it- in it- mm-hmm. Italy. And then a little ways below that, you kind of have that top league, 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 L I G U E, uh, one in France. Um, but, but I mean, Premier League is head and shoulders above the rest. And if you get a player that came up as a Premier League player, mm-hmm. they can ball. And, and Indiana Vasilev has proved that he can ball all year. But the fact that we are starting AZ Jackson. Mm-hmm. And a game oh, consistently right now over Indy. I that that's all you need to know. I don't think that he transfers out now. I don't think he ends next season as a city player. Way longer than ten seconds. Sorry. What's your answer? Uh, my answer is I think he could. I think he ends the season as a city player, but it would not surprise me if we transfer him out and loan him back to the end of the season. So, yeah. Um, all right. Um, I think that's pretty much it for City. Do you want to hit the hit the quick notes on the Blues and, and wrap this up? Yeah, I, I think there's a few things. So Blue season's coming. Uh, we're going to have a whole lot to talk. And, you know, lucky for you listeners, hopefully this episodes will be a little shorter with City and Cardinals uh, both, you know, kind of on break there. But, you know, really think about who needs to step up this year. And I think there's you need to see two things. Uh, I think we need to see some growth from some of our younger guys. I mean, we just handed out prior to last season, you know, eight-year extensions uh, to two players. So Robert Thomas, um, as uh, well as uh, our speed skater, um, who any of you who doesn't know, um, we've got uh, – uh, why am I blanking on his name, John? Help me out here. I don't know. Because I'm Jordan Cairo. Yeah. Um, sorry, I was like, it's going to come to me. Jordan Cairo. I was like, I can see his face. So – We've got two players, you know, we signed eight year, eight years that we we want to be here. But the guy that I really want to see, and I think he's going to be fighting for player playing time is Scott Perunovic. What what can he bring to those defensive lines? And we're so deep on D. What is that going to mean for our team? Uh, the other thing that I really want to see, and I think we have to see, as our veterans have to step up. Yes, we need to see growth from our younger players. You, you always have to see growth from your younger players to stay in the loop. Um, but do our veterans step up enough to lead them down to where they need to be? Um, you know, and those are those are my big questions heading into the year. And I think we're going to have a lot of, you know, we're going to have a lot of time to talk about blues, but I, I don't want to neglect them now because there is still things things to be aware of that are that are happening. And the one thing that I always feel comfortable about the blues that makes me nervous about the Cardinals is the GM situation. Mm-hmm. Um, Doug Armstrong army is in my mind, one of the best GMs in professional sports right now. Yeah. Um, and the fact that the blues have him is amazing. So, um, you know, schedule wise preseason starts up here at the end of September, uh, regular season, second week of or second or third week of November. I think it's uh, or October. I'm sorry. It's October 12th against uh, Dallas. Is that correct, John? 
yeah, for the regular season. Yeah, preseason starts uh, end of September, I think, against Arizona. And I think, you know, I think that's things to, you know, just keep in mind. And again, we'll, we'll get big deep dives in, into the blues as time comes, but um, exciting things are on the horizon. My fun question for you, uh, this is going to be my 10 second question for you. I didn't put it on there, but now that I have it, um, sure. <clears throat> do the blues get more points than the Cardinals do wins at the end of the season? Oh god! How many points did they get last year? Uh, I can pull it up. Not a lot. Not a lot. Let's see how many they got last year because I am not. I am not convinced. Uh, so last year, yes, they absolutely get more points. And the Cardinals get wins. Absolutely, they do. They got 81 points last year. I am 100% convinced that they will do better than 81 points this year. And I know the Cardinals are not going to get 81 wins. So, I agree. I think I think the Blues finish with more points than the Cardinals do wins. But it's a fun question that I was like, hold on. Here's my 10-second question for you. That, uh, was, that was tough. That was, that was a good <laughs> one. That was a good one. All righty. Well, it's been, uh, we probably recorded way too long once again. Uh, so we'll uh, cut it off for the night. So that's it for tonight. Uh, thanks again for watching and listening. If you enjoyed the show, uh, please sure to give us a like on the video and sub subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, we are working on trying to get onto Spotify and or Apple podcasts for you guys. So make it a little bit easier to listen on your rides to work. Uh, Make sure to subscribe to our channel as well. Uh, it helps us keep an eye on who is actually listening or if people are truly listening. Uh, we have a Facebook group out there and we're working on building out a Facebook page as well to keep everybody up to date on next episodes. Uh, until uh, next week or sooner, depending on what happens, uh, we'll look forward to hearing, hopefully you guys will look forward to hearing from us next time. Thanks. Okay.